0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmersday, Day, January 31st, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and in our main segment, Jim looks back at the history of Epcot's CommuniCore attractions, which was last visited by guests on this date in 1994. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that the scariest U.S. president was probably Rushmore because he had four heads. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
1: It's going great. Now, have you actually ever been to the Mount Rushmore National Memorial? Or yes, it's a, it's smaller than you'd think. But even so, when my family went in the summer of, of nineteen seventy, every so often you'd get something that would sort of remind you of how big it was. We got there early in the morning. It was kind of shrouded in mist, and it was on these things. Mist, looking up- yeah, yeah. Looking up at Jefferson, it's like, wow, he's got dandruff. It's like, no, those are mountain goats. (laughs) But I I think the one thing that frustrates a lot of folks is you can only get so close to Rushmore. You're down at the base there. Whereas if you go 17 miles to the southwest, uh, have you ever gotten to the Crazy Horse Memorial? Okay, so two things. The Crazy Horse Memorial, in
0: terms of ambition, is orders of magnitude more ambitious than Absolutely. Mount Absolutely. Rushmore. Uh-huh. In fact, it actually borders on insanity because it took how many decades to do Mount Rushmore? And the Crazy Horse thing is a hundred year project. And it's like one dude with some dynamite
1: and a, and a pickaxe. I think Rushmore got announced in, in 1925. Work actually started in 27 and they, they finished in 41, whereas Crazy Horse... They started work in 1948, and they finished the face, the nine-story yeah. tall face, 50 years later in, in yeah. 98. Again, ambitious. But the thing that I like about Crazy Horse, every year, in fact, they do it twice a year now. They have a March that starts at the bottom of the mountain. It's a 6.2-mile trail, but the turnaround point is literally on crazy horse's arm just below the face. So, I mean- Is it really? Yeah. You can march up the mountain and and literally make it to this, I want to say 84 foot tall face and visit the actual site and then march back down the mountain. But, you know, and for me- That makes that immensely more appealing than Matt Rushmore, the fact that you can get that close to the carving. But they're actually doing two of them this year. There's uh, the 36th annual Volksmarch, the summer Volksmarch is June 4th and 5th this year. And then there's a, I guess they've just begun doing a a fall Volksmarch. This is the ninth annual. That's on October 2nd. But they've had as many as 15,000 people participate in this thing but holy cow that you could get that close to a truly crazy sculpture that won't be finished for decades yet but I, I it'll be it'll be a hundred years
0: yeah and we almost made it through the entire uh, discussion of South Dakota without mentioning wall
1: drug but there you go As we pass the site uh, on Route uh, 244 that you have to take to this house, I'm sure there are a few billboards for Waldron. Nickel Nickel coffee, fresh donuts. That's there high. we go. So, All
0: right, Jim, let's do a quick shout-out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Michael S. Bradbury, Adriana Wang, and Rob B., and longtime subscribers William Wangarin, Brian Likosar, and Don't Be Bold. Jim, these are the folks who are working on Disney's second immersive hotel concept the swiss family robinson treehouse guests who climb aboard during this two-day role-playing tropical adventure will learn how to spearfish collect rainwater and quell lord of the flies style upright risings <laughs> with bamboo spears best of all jim this two-day experience includes all you can eat dole whips something that no star wars hotel will ever have true story
1: you know, given the way the Walt Disney company is is desperate to get new revenue streams going. Oh, you know I, someone's I, over there typing like, like Oh my God, <laughs> you know Wait, what did he say again about the spearfishing thing? <laughs> Here we go. All I ask, folks, is again, the check has to go to Mr. Tessa. This, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Given how underattended the Swiss Family Treehouse is in that theme park, you could you could start this Who would tomorrow. Know? Who yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's do the news. Folks, mm-hmm. the Disney
0: Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, as we were getting ready to record this, Universal announced a summer 2025 opening
1: date for Epic Universe. Did you see that? I did. I did. Between Alicia Stella and our our good friend BioReconstruct, we've been keeping very close tabs on what's going on on site, and, and they're getting serious over there. Things are starting to go vertical. Okay, so we're about 40 months away. We are. from from opening then right let's do a uh, let's do a show on what we think
0: is going to go into the park and what else might be changing around the rest of the resort let's do that really soon how's that sound sounds like a plan Fantastic. Um, also over at Disney there were several meet and greets added to the genie plus lineup this week so I think it's a uh, Mickey Mouse at Town Square theater Princess Tiana and whatever other princess is with her um, also at the Magic Kingdom Cinderella and another princess. And then Olaf at uh, Celebrity Spotlight at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Jim, so and I expect to see uh, more of these added to Genie+. Plus. It does two things. One, it uh, it adds capacity to mm-hmm. Genie+. And uh, number two, it helps people not wait in line for those character interactions.
1: Absolutely. And and Bob J. Pick was very straightforward about if the other parks in the industry had the Disney characters, they do exactly what Disney's doing with them. So the notion that they're getting added to just Genie Plus is not really all that much of a surprise. Right.
0: No, not at all. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim. Um, let's do a quick survey roundup. Here's one from Christopher, which I think we will find hysterical. So Christopher writes in and says, I'm taking a Disney survey about my trip during Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. There's a whole page about the benefits of staying at a Disney resort where Disney asks how many times we took advantage of of those particular benefits. But the funny thing is, is that you can't answer zero times. The survey rejects it, so you have to say you used everything at least once. And Jim, I've posted a screen cap of that, uh, of that fact uh, into our internal show notes. So you can't answer zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, the questions were, how many times did you use early theme park entry? How many times did you use extended evening theme park hours? Uh, how many times did you purchase and schedule lightning Lane light attractions? or uh, early access to purchase after-hour event tickets, or the extended window for making dining reservations. So Disney says, you must use them, can't say no. And Jim, I am reminded of the time I was in a meeting with my boss and a bunch of other people, and he went around the room asking everyone's opinion on something. But when he got to me, he said, Len, I don't need to know your opinion because I'm going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Feel the same way with this Disney survey. That's a glitch, right? But Please tell me it's a glitch. <laughs> But it's only a glitch if you know it's a glitch because they're going to come back and it's be like, everyone uses everything all the time, Jim.
1: Uh,
0: I guess in, in some ways it's good because they'll never get rid of it if everyone's using it,
1: right? Yeah. We should have had this with Magical Express, Jim. We'd still be riding buses from the airport. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we we, we right. need the people who write the software to be on our
0: side. So exactly. Okay. All right, Jim, let's do some listener questions. Here's one from Kevin who says, I listened to this week's show and I felt the pain of the listener trying to get Disneyland reservations and seeing that everything was blacked out forever. I'm also a huge fan of the show and I'm thrilled at an opportunity to meaningfully help. My wife and I recently went to Disneyland in early December and we had a very similar experience and a lot of heartburn to go along with it as it seemed like everything except Riverbell Terrace was perpetually booked up. However, what we found was that while at Disneyland, we could get to all the places we wanted to eat even Blue Bayou, by adding ourselves to the walk-up list, whether it's for pandemic reasons or catering to a more spontaneous local crowd. The impression we got was that a very small, if any, percentage of availability was reserved for reservations. And the primary method of doing business was being added to the walk-up list. Here are the specifics for Blue Bayou. We spoke to a cast member who suggested we attempt to eat at an off time. So we walked up to the restaurant at 2:30 30 and receded immediately. It was magical. Wow. For August Cantina, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. For August Cantina, the cast member we met at the door made it seem like it was standard operating procedure that someone had their name added to the walk up list would be seated within 45 minutes. And that was our experience. So that's good. Mm-hmm. All right. And then for Trader Sam's at the Disneyland Hotel, the app to join the walk up list consistently indicated that the walk up list was full. However, our experience was more that the cast members wanted to manage the list manually and they didn't bat an eye at us and anyone else asking to be added to the walk up list although they said it would take two hours. In short, walking up is really a thing at Disneyland, and reservations really seem to be rare as hen's teeth, so it doesn't seem like you'll be out of the norm if you're not walking into the parks with them. That's awesome, Kevin. Thank you for the advice. That
1: is very cool. I, I'm supposed to be going out to Disneyland to do the Star Wars night, uh, one of them in, in May, and I will try this with Disney. Yeah, yeah, see if it works then. It's fantastic. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Here's a question from AJ who says, my wife and I are celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary this year. Muscle ta'v you crazy kids. Mm-hmm. And we're taking a trip at the end of March to the world. What rumors, if any, are you hearing about a potential reopening date for Victorian Alberts given the recent reopening announcements of Geco, flying fish and others? Ooh, this is a good one. So, you know, there's a couple of things uh, going on here on the one hand, mm-hmm. I think Disney wants to get the restaurant open because. Uh, Michelin is doing uh, ratings for restaurants in Orlando. Disney definitely wants to be included in that. The difficulty that they're going to have is that they want that rating to be good, right, when Michelin Mm -hmm. comes in. So they've got to make sure that everything is exactly right. That means there are no supply chain issues, you know, getting foie gras or caviar or whatever from Mm -hmm. where they need to, right? They also need uh, kitchen and service staff who know what people expect. When they come to Victorian Alberts. And I don't think either of those things are ready yet.
1: Nice to hear that this is potentially coming someday soon, but soon is yep. a relative term here, isn't it?
0: I mean, I think for something like Victorian Alberts, it's not like they're going to do, you know, three nights of, of prep work and then launch the restaurant as being open. You're going to see people getting hired, and then I wouldn't be surprised to see a month of just uh, sample training okay. while that restaurant uh, gets prepped for other things. It would be lovely to get on that list. Yeah. So for March, AJ, uh-huh. I doubt it. Um, you know, hopefully this year is what I'm looking at. Uh, here's a note from David who says, uh, you have a very professional and eclectic audience. That's not just mechanical engineers and aeronautical experts. I'm writing to you today as a professor of architecture, and I want to impart some information on Spaceship Earth. Jim mentions new light bulbs that last as long as car headlights. Well, I have news for you. They're not light bulbs. They are LEDs. And they Mm -hmm. do indeed last much longer than industrial light bulbs. So, Jim, congratulations on that. There is one downside that Disney's forgetting in the deployment of LEDs. They cause lasting and permanent damage to human retinas. Therefore, while you may love watching the new light display on Spaceship Earth, every time you watch it, you're slowly marching towards (laughs) blindness. Okay, so I've actually read this study, and I'm not entirely sure it says exactly that, David. But I Mm -hmm. could be wrong. You are the professor here. Uh, Maybe Disney should deploy, who am I kidding, quote, cell Special Disney-specific goggles for everyone's viewing pleasures. Love the show and keep up the good work, Professor David Estelle, PhD. This is not Uh, good
1: news. I can't tell you the number of times this past weekend I watched that video of the Rainbow Connection being played or the light display for Spaceship Earth. It's like I think it's safer if you're watching it on your phone. I think it's in person, and and even
0: then, I mean, I think you have to be a fair distance away or close. You You have to be fairly close, right, to the LEDs. Okay. Right. And well, I think well, here we're talking about the blue spectrum of light that they produce. But like I said, I've, I've, I think I've, I've sort of skimmed the study, and I don't think we're all in, uh, in danger of uh, imminent blindness if we, uh, if we go for a couple nights and stare at Spaceship Earth.
1: So long story short, bringing my stepladder into Epcot and, and putting it that much closer to <laughs> Spaceship Earth, not a wise you know choice.
0: What, what would be more dangerous? Because Spaceship Earth lights up at night. Would you mm-hmm. wear sunglasses at night? And then walk around because people would forget to take them off and then they'd bonk into things or fall into the uh, the lake, which may be entertaining in and of itself. Could be its own thing. There we I don't go. know. All right. There's some potential here, I think. There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last one is from Matt. He says, I just wanted to write in and let you know that two of your topics from last week were intertwined. The Iron Man experience at Hong Kong Disneyland is sponsored by AIA, an insurance company here, and Tron at Shanghai is sponsored by GM's Chevrolet division.
1: How about that? Look at that, Jim. What? Wow. In the, the the great GM test track tradition of bashing through the side of the building during the test phase. Nice to know that the folks at AIA could step up. We can take exactly. care of that for you.
0: <laughs> Crushing through buildings? You need insurance. Have I got something for you? Yeah. You so. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us about Epcot's Commuda which closed on this date in 1994 to make way for interventions. We'll be right back.
1: Maybe it's time you gave BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp isn't self-help, and it isn't a crisis line either. It is professional counseling, which allows you, from the safety, comfort, and convenience of your own home, to connect with licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, grief, family counseling, relationships, and anger. Anything you share is confidential. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you two can then start communicating in under 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video and phone sessions. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. And speaking of available, this service is available to clients worldwide. In fact, so many people have begun using BetterHelp that they are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So why not start living a happier life today? As a listener to this podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Disney Dish. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. dot slash Disney Dish. Now streaming only on Disney Plus.
0: My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's
1: record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift tour, Taylor's version, with four additional
0: acoustic songs, now streaming only on Disney Plus. We've talked a couple of times on the show about CommuniCore and my unrequited love for it. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not true. I think CommuniCore loved me too, in its own way. <laughs> but uh, it's not there anymore, and my heart is a little emptier for it. Why don't
1: you uh, tell us a little bit about how it came to be? Because of your love, I wanted to make sure we were telling stories that hadn't been told before, that, that brought some new stuff to the table, which is why I, I want to credit uh, the folks over at the DIX Project. It's a lot of the material that we'll be talking about today got pulled from that website. Wonderful repository of all things Disney, well worth seeking out. And today I'm going to be pulling a lot of quotes, specifically from a document called "The Spirit of Epcot," which is a 128-page manual put together by Disney University back in 1981 to help train that set of Walt Disney World cast members who would be part of the opening day team for Epcot Center. And remember, Epcot doesn't open to the public till October 1st, 1982. Very different training material that had previously been assembled for the folks who were working over at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. The people who had been hired to be part of the opening team at Epcot Center had been told that they were vital communication links between the guests and the Epcot Center show. And I say show, I'm making air quotes here, because again, when it came to the success of Disney World's second gate, a good first impression uh, among the theme park going public was going to be crucial. The key idea that cast members were being asked to get across to guests right from the get-go, was that Epcot Center was going to be something totally new and different from the Magic Kingdom and the shopping village of Lake Buena Vista. Although the Epcot Center show would be entertaining and full of the Disney magic that guests were familiar with and had come to expect from their previous visits to the resort, the ride, shows, and attractions presented at Disney World's second gate we're going to be far more educational in their content and much more sophisticated in their presentation. This is a direct quote from, again, the spirit of Epcot Center training materials, by the way. So long story short, cast members who worked at Epcot Center were going to get peppered with all sorts of questions from guests visiting Epcot. And these were not going to be the typical where's the nearest bathroom or what times does the three o'clock parade start? So this is literally a question that they have in the guide, yeah. You know, the effect, you know, the the uh, they're prepping the opening teams. It's like, so the guest goes, Epcot, the theme park. Wasn't Epcot originally supposed to be the city? And and led. This is the actual explanation. <laughs> All right.
0: And you think you think uh, <laughs> Genie Plus and the Lightning Lane have have uh, communication problems? Let's let's go over this. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> the word Epcot, when used alone, refers to Walt Disney's original dream and idea for the Florida project. Epcot, the experimental community of tomorrow, is actually all of Walt Disney World, not just Epcot-centered. Center. right. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. This was apparently
0: at some point in the late 70s, early 80s. This was canon walt disney
1: world right this is this is the definition of what they were trying to make it canon this was the thing it's like this is how you answer this question but if you press the issue well okay so what's epcot center the park well it's like well epcot center is the heart of epcot the focal point of the walt Disney World (laughs) resort (laughs) yeah the, the place where all the ideas and technology that actually power walt disney world will be showcased to our guests and about you, Len, but this seems kind of bait and switchy to me. And, and more to the point, it, it starts like it sounds like the start of an Abbott and Costello routine. It's like, okay, Bud, we're now at Walt Disney World. I want to go to Epcot. You're already there, Lou. All of Walt Disney World is Epcot, but I want to go to the brand new theme park. Just like, oh, well, then you need to go to the heart, the center, the focal point of Walt Disney World. Yeah, that's where you'll find Epcot Center. But didn't you just say all of Walt Disney World is Epcot Center? I did. But while all of Walt Disney World is actually Epcot, our newest theme park, Epcot Center, can be found in the center of property in a central location, which is also known as Epcot Center, even though the whole of Walt Disney (laughs) World is actually Epcot. It's like, can we please go back to talking about baseball? You know, it's just like,
0: (laughs) I mean. Can you you see why this line of reasoning did not last very long in the early 80s in, in Walt Disney World? I, I don't know. How, how does he even get out of committee? Like, how does he even get out of like?
1: Well, discussion? You know, they didn't really have a choice. Think about it. Since November of '65, from the first announcements of Project Florida, we're going to sure. build the vacation kingdom in Florida, he was talking about Epcot, the city. It then became a case of Epcot has always been here. I mean, look at the Magic Kingdom, the utilidor, is the AVAC system that clears away the trash, or or the modular construction technique that was used to build the contemporary a Polynesian Village. I mean, the phone system at Walt Disney World. You mm. know, first to use fiber optics. So come on, just this whole notion that if you looked at Walt Disney World in a certain way. It was everything that Walt promised in the mid-1960s. The the problem with that is trying to sell the idea that it's always been there. It's like, is that enough to get you to buy a plane ticket and a vacation package? No, 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 not at all. So. I don't know if you remember the original promotional campaign for Epcot. It was sort of spaceship earth in shadow. And you saw like a monorail track running around the edge of it. And the catchphrase, the 21st century begins October 1st, 1982, with the underlying promise of you're going to see and experience truly futuristic stuff, just like Walt said. But here's the problem. A lot of the corporations... Who had now, at this point, finally agreed to sponsor World Showcase Pavilions were genuinely hesitant about bringing cutting edge stuff to Florida. A lot of the pushback that Imagineering got was like, well, what about corporate espionage? It's like, what do you mean corporate espionage? It's like, it said, what's to prevent our rivals if we bring our latest and greatest down to Florida to them sending down somebody with a camera to take photos of our latest and greatest stuff and something that we've spent... Hundreds of thousands of dollars perfecting, they can take that t- technology home and have it out, and it, our competition can have the same thing in weeks. And it's like, uh, okay, and and this is why you get origin stories. You get the origin story of communication. You get the origin story of transportation.
0: Yeah, because you can't. You can't sell it. No one's going to copy and sell the origin story of
1: communication. Yeah. So now, because of that. The pressure is on with CommuniCorps, the area at the very heart of Future World, which is supposed to be a communicator to the world, hence the name CommuniCorps. This is where guests could view presentations by some of the best thinkers, the most creative members of industry and the government, and these very intelligent people were going to try and find practical solutions to the real needs of mankind, which, thanks to the Disney's expertise when it came to showmanship, would be genuinely entertaining and not at all over-earnest or educational. <laughs> when is this? Uh, when was this document written? It was written in 81, Len. Okay, so a year and change before it opened. Okay. Park isn't going to open until the fall of 82. So as you read this training manual, you become aware that they're really having problems landing people for CommuniCore. In fact, okay. let me jump to the section of the book where they actually describe CommuniCore in detail, an area that's supposed to deliver on future cutting-edge technologies. So this is how the place is being described to Epcot's opening team. Linking all of the experiences of Future World is Core a main street of tomorrow's ideas and inventions. Here you'll learn about the computer wizardry that helps to make Epcot Center tick in Sperry Univac Computer Central. Whatever's happening at Epcot is controlled right here, including 450 audio animatronic figures. You'll see how someday you can express your opinion on key world issues, merely by pushing a button on your living room armchair. You also have the chance to shop in the Centorium, choose from two restaurants, or select a dream vacation at the travel port. And Len, that's literally all that Disney University was able to tell the, the cast members who had been hired to be part of Epcot's opening team about what Commuter core was going to be like wow. prior to the opening of this park that's how loosey-goosey they had to be at that point. <laughs> there's a there's a sign and it's a placeholder and it says things and such. <laughs> The construction of Epcot is far enough along at this point that opening team members as part of their orientation at the park could be taken a two hour long tour of the Epcot construction site. These tours always began at six o'clock at night after the construction workers had gone home for the day and included these instructions. You should wear comfortable old clothes, jeans and slacks, please. No skirts or dresses can be permitted. Uh, We also must request hard-soled shoes, no sandals, tennis shoes, or open-toe shoes. So two-hour tour begins under Spaceship Earth, where groups of 20 would then be pulled through the construction site. And one of the very first stops, was Communicore, where a, a Disney okay. University rep would then explain the overall design of this part of Future World, how it was okay. going to be laid out in four quadrants, and uh, Communicore was ahead, uh, you know, a number of elements. Now, uh, Epcot uh, Computer Central, we just described. We have the Exot uh, Energy Center. Uh, we have the American Express Travel Port. Again, something we just described. Then we have the Stargate restaurant, the Centorium, the Electronic Forum. That was going to be sit in your armchair, hit the button. Here, on the other hand, we have the Terra Nova restaurant. I saw this in the show notes and I looked it up. We never got that, did we? We did not. What was it supposed to be? Do you remember where the Stargate was positioned, that restaurant? And then across the way where we got our sort of coffee shop set up? Yeah, yeah. That's the Terranova. Oh, really? Among the other things that w- were in- announced for Epcot, and again, part of the material uh, that was sold to the opening team was the Tron arcade. Really? This yes. Eighty-one. Wait. When did Tron come out? Tron came out summer of eighty-two. But Tron was going to be the next big thing for Disney. You know, the, their first foray into computer animation, and was going to really put Disney on the map or so it was thought and so these tours are happening summer of 82 like three or four months before the park opens up but Tron arrives at theaters uh, July 9th of 1982 and gets middling reviews and underperformers at the box office. And this is when Epcot is running behind schedule. Money's really tight. And so, you know, the whole, let me get this straight. We're going to put in an arcade that celebrates the film that we're pretending we didn't put out. (laughs) Might not come to pass. Yeah, so that gets cut, and in the end, uh, what ends up being built in this part of Cominacore West is the Expo Robotics Show. Right, yeah, 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 I remember this part, yeah. As for what actually was there in Cominacore when it opened uh, in October of 1982, we're going to dive in depth in that with the next edition of Disney Dish. Fantastic. Can
0: we also talk about uh, some of the stuff that was later proposed and wasn't uh, built as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, that, that's the thing. Commuter core, if you look at the, the the number of things that were proposed for Commuter core that then yeah. got cut, it'll break your heart. I mean, it's just, it, it's one of these things where it was supposed to do so much of the heavy lifting of showing off the tech, but the companies that Disney recruited were either so cautious or, or frankly, weren't willing to spend the money. Yeah. So you got a lot of, this is futuristic, really? The giant wood sculpture? It's like, shut up, kid. You know, <laughs> uh, so.
0: Well, the, so I know one of the ideas that they talked about for Communicore was uh, an adventure maze, but you were only supposed to use sound to get oh. through the maze. So it was like that. We, we saw the technology later on at the studios, but this was sort of an early, early idea using 3D sound to get you through something.
1: That idea, when it fell off the table for Future World, actually came back as an exhibit that was going to be built as part of the Africa Pavilion. The notion was the same thing. You were going to have a a maze set up of tall grass, but you were going to be driven through the maze by the, the sound of the predators that were just behind you. (laughs) <laughs> so much of disney history is like that it's like hey we have this cool technology not for future world okay we're taking it over to world showcase oh we didn't do it there hey the studios you know you just keep looking for a place to put it
0: oh that's funny because it uh it lasted uh, i mean the idea must have stuck around for a decade because when the studios was opened in 89 mm-hmm. it uh it was that was part of it so that's super interesting the idea the idea lived just on a depot
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I still love that that little show in the booth and the, the, what, the 3D haircut, (laughs) you know, you're you're listening to, you know, you're supposed to be the studio exec who's getting their haircut as, you know, somebody is pitching a movie to you and throwing knives at your head, so it's like, yeah, okay, (laughs) wonderful time at a Disney theme park, so.
0: (laughs) I may have that already if you want to hear it. Oh, cool, so. (laughs) All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including the second half of our story on Disneyland's Flying Saucers. On next week's show, we'll finish up this history of Epcot's Communicore, and we'll have Christina on to talk about food, and we'll talk about the latest round of playtesting at the Galactic Star Cruiser as it gets ready to open on March 1st. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Lennett, Touring Plans. Dot com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's going to duet on Conte Partiro and then make some of his world famous sour cherry cannoli, both with legendary singer Andrea Bocelli on Saturday, February 19th at 8 p.m. at the Footprint Center in beautiful downtown Phoenix, Arizona. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Radar show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.